0: Hello! Welcome to Resurrections, and Adam Warlock podcast, episode 4. I'm your host, Al Sedano. Thanks everyone for coming back from episode 3, unless you're a new listener, in which case, thank you for trying us out. So, in this episode, we're going to be covering Thor 164, which is part 2 of 4 issues, which will feature Adam Warlock, or him, as he was known back then. And uh, when I say feature, I'm kind of stretching it a bit for the last episode in on this one. He is only a cameo appearance in those two issues. But it does lead up to uh, two parts um, where he actually does really feature in them. He actually has interactions with Thor. He actually fights Thor, talks to Thor. He does stuff. So we're, gonna, we're getting away from the issues where Adam really just kind of appears as an object and actually becomes a character and interacting. And that will be next episode. But we still got this one to get through, but it's a good one. So anyway, we got Thor 164 with Sif and Thor first Pluto and the Mutates. Uh, We're going to take a peek back at the Fantastic Four and where they are right now. Talk about the Asbury Park Comic Con and also mention a new podcast. So let's get with it. Anyway, before we get to this issue of Thor, uh, let's do a quick recap of the issue we did in last episode, episode 3. In case you either didn't listen to that episode or it's just been a little while and you forgot. So, in Thor 163, uh, Thor and Sif are brought into the machinations of Pluto, the Olympian god of the dead. He wants to take over the 20th century, but he needs to get rid of Thor first. He tricks them into coming to an alternate future, which, where the Earth is overrun by mutates, who were humans who have been mutated due to fallout from atomic wars, and he's trying to leave them trapped there so he can go conquer the 20th century. When he brought them into the future, he also brought in an atomic research center, and because there is apparently some mysterious being unconscious there that Pluto feels is powerful enough to also stand in his way, and he needs to get rid of that unconscious being as well. And that being is actually in a cocoon. And so if you don't know anything about the title character of this podcast, you have no idea what that means, but if you have any clue about Adam Warlock, or if you listen to episodes 1 and 2, in which Adam Warlock... Was in a cocoon. You got an idea who that is and why we're covering these issues on this show. Alright, so that's who we are. Pluto just kicked the crap out of Thor and Sif briefly at the end of the episode, the end of last issue, and that's where we start now. Thor number 164. It had a cover date of May 1969 and went on sale on March 4th, 1969, with an original cover price of 12 cents. Story was titled "Lest Mankind Fall," story and art by Stan, the man Lee, and Jack King Kirby, embellishment Vince Colletta, lettering Sam Rosen. This issue starts out with Thor and Sif lying on the ground behind Pluto. They both appear very weak and look like they're about to pass out. Pluto has decided that with Thor too weak to stop him, it is now time for him to undress, and removes his mortal style clothing to reveal a purple, skin-tight outfit with bizarre shoulder pads underneath. He informs Thor and Sif that they will remain in this time as his prisoners while he goes to conquer the 20th century. Thor and Sif verbally defy him, but a mutate with his gun at Sif's head reminds Thor that defying Pluto will mean her death. But before going to the 20th century, Pluto first has to destroy the mysterious, powerful sleeping person inside the Atomic Research Center. The scene then switches to Asgard, where Baldr the Brave is riding a horse and attempting to figure out his love life. Apparently, he is in love with Carnilla, the Norn Queen, and she is in love with him. However, this somehow contradicts an oath he has made to Odin, and he must choose between love and duty. He comes across Odin, who is still researching Galactus, but Odin cannot help in matters of the heart and instead offers Baldur a distraction. Odin then sends Baldur to Earth, where he sees Pluto's time tunnel, and wonders if it has something to do with Thor. Back to Thor, he and Sif are blocking Pluto's entrance to the research center and attack the mutates. Knocking down a dozen of the mutates with one blow, Thor leaves the remaining ones to Sif while he attacks Pluto. Pluto claims to be even more powerful than Odin, which pisses Thor off as no one is as powerful as his daddy, and with the number of mutates increasing, attempts to return them all to the 20th century. In the 20th century, Balder has made his way to the time tunnel, and the U.S. Army which has surrounded it. He is told that the Research Center, Sif, and Thor have all disappeared inside, but he does not seem to be able to pierce the barrier. He can hear the sounds of battle from inside the barrier, and moments later, in a blinding flash, it's gone and the Atomic Research Center is back, as well as Thor and Sif. They give the Cliff Notes version of last issue just before Pluto and his Mutate's attack. The army fires on the mutates, but Pluto puts up a mystic barrier which protects them from the bullets. Thor uses the power from his hammer to destroy the barrier, and with his fellow guardians, attacks. On Mount Olympus, Zeus receives a message telling him of Pluto's scheme. Angered by his brother's actions, Zeus decides to get involved. Back in New York, the army, alongside the Asgardians, fight the mutates. Despite being outnumbered, the mutates have advanced weaponry which help even the odds. Thor faces Pluto, who has covered himself in Stygian flame, which can protect him from all harm, except Thor is able to cause a downpour which douses the flame. Despite that, Pluto still feels he will win until a very pissed off Zeus appears and takes Pluto and the mutates away. As usual for the time, while the Asgardians are thankful for his assistance, they pray they never have to face Zeus themselves. Inside the Atomic Research Center, the mysterious cocoon opens. Alright, let's take a look at the notes I took on this issue and see what we thought about it. Let's see, let's start off the cover. We have Thor fighting Pluto on it. Although instead of his purple outfit, Pluto has some orange, yellow, and black number on. Doesn't really look any better than the purple one. Um, and with the giant floating head of Zeus looking on, although it's colored green, so it makes him look like a giant hairy booger. Not really sure why it went with that coloring. Looks, Yeah, he's a giant booger. The first two pages are nice big splashy pages by Kirby. The first one is the one of uh, Thor and Sif laying down looking weak behind Pluto, with Pluto starting to take off his mortal outfit. And then the second page is the big reveal of Pluto in his Olympian outfit, apparently, which is the purple and black thing with a lot of Kirby design on it. I mean, kind of a cool idea, but I don't think it fits for Pluto. It doesn't look like something an Olympian would wear, even a modern version of it. I think he did pretty good with uh, the outfits for the Asgardians, but this one doesn't fit too well. But the background of this splash page is pretty awesome, in that it looks like hell is behind him, so you all have fire and rock and brimstone. Looks pretty awesome. Uh, the other problem with the image of Pluto, besides the outfit is his head looks about two times too small for his body. So it looks like there's something wrong here. It almost looks like he switched heads with Charlie Brown. So he's like a 10-year-old's head on a 30-year-old's body. I expect his voice sounds really squeaky like this. And I don't think I'm really going to want to follow this guy because it's kind of like Mickey Mouse. But, you know, a really bad version of it. I can't do voices. Page four is where we see Ballard join the story as he's riding around and thinking about Carneller and a pal he apparently has to decide between his oath to Odin and love. And then of course his thought of her starts talking to him and he talks back and even yells back. And I was trying to figure out if she was magically talking to him or is he just crazy, but she calls herself a memory in there. So I'm guessing it's just that he's crazy. So it's a good thing that the crazy guy ends up being his backup. Lucky Thor and Sif. And then on the next page, page 5, when he's done yelling at the air, he sees Odin near him reading, and he goes and asks Odin if he heard him. Kort- and Odin says he did, and of course he heard him. He's less than 20 feet away from you. We can see you both in the same friggin' panel. You were screaming at the air. He heard you. He noticed. So page six is where Odin sends crazy ass Balder to Earth, probably just to get the crazy guy away from Asgard, which I can't blame him. And now on page seven, we get back to some awesome stuff where it's where Sif and Thor attack the mutates to protect whatever the being is inside the Atomic Research Center. And Sif doesn't hide behind Thor. She fights right alongside him. She might not be as powerful as Thor, but she's kicking some ass. And I'm very impressed with her. And with Stan and Jack, since this is not typical 60s Marvel female behavior, Sue Storm and the Wasp could definitely take some tips from her. Okay, jumping ahead a bit to page 16, which is a really awesome splash page by Kirby of the battle between the army and the mutates. And it looks pretty cool. If the army fight really really taking on the mutates, they're not just letting the superheroes fight for them. And page 17 is another page of the battle. Now, this battle's pretty quick. It's only about three or four pages in this whole issue. But it looks like it must have been pretty damaging to the city. I mean, this page shows skyscrapers being melted and planes being shot down. There must have been a lot of casualties. And again, Sif is right in the thick of battle. We see her there fighting, you know, beating up these mutants of her sword, probably killing a bunch of them. So, again, I really have to actually start to start reading this run of Thor, because this seems to be pretty awesome. On page 19, now we got got our Duas Machina here. Zeus shows up, well, really just his floating head, but this time it's not booger-looking at least, in one panel, and sends Pluto packing. So in about two panels, boom, whole thing's over, everyone's gone, or at least all the bad guys. And then with page 20, we get the typical Silver Age Marvel line whenever they see somebody even semi-powerful about hoping that they don't have to fight them someday or that they won't turn against humanity someday or whatever. So, I mean, yeah, the Silver Age is supposed to be a lot more innocent time of stuff, but everyone in Marvel is pretty suspicious of everyone else. I mean, even their own teammates. I mean, if you read Old Fantastic Four, every other issue, they were worried about having to fight one of their own. And, of course, also on that last page, we get another cameo glimpsed of Ada, I mean, someone coming out of that cocoon in the Atomic Research Center. I wonder who it could be. So overall, I really did enjoy this issue. I thought last issue was good, and this issue I think is even better. I mean, the main downside of this issue is the fact that the fight with Pluto and the mutates basically is only over because Zeus comes in and kicks his ass. So, like I said, we have a dues machina here, which is a bit unsatisfying. I mean, we do jump right into the next adventure and the next issue, so, and it flows into it, so at least I can't take too much away for that. But yeah, characterization's good. Reasoning is pretty good, I mean, more or less. Pseudoscience, there's a bit of it, but not too much, so it's not too crazy. And uh, reactions and decisions people make seem to be more or less pretty intelligent. You know, I mean, Pluto's plan isn't bad. He feels, you know, Thor is the only other god on Earth, so that's his issue, so he has to get rid of Thor, and it's not a bad plan to get rid of Thor. It just doesn't work, but it's not a bad plan. I mean, really, the only one who has crazy, you know, delusions and jumps to conclusions about things is Balder, but apparently he's crazy, so I can accept that. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed the issues of FF we did for Episodes 1 and 2, but... Based on these two issues, I think actually that Stanley and Jack Kirby's better run, which I think I said last time, but what the hell, I'm going to say it again, seems to be Thor. So I'm actually going to have to go back sometime soon and start reading this run of Thor of theirs and see how it holds up as a whole, holds up altogether. Um, and also, on a little side note, uh, the mutates apparently they've, been, they've come from an alternate future, it was a designated Earth 6943. And the next time they show up will be in the mid-70s in Champions 1 through 3. Champions, for anyone who doesn't know, was a wonderful series and team from Marvel that lasted about 17 issues and consisted of Angel and Iceman from the X-Men, Hercules and the Black Widow from the Avengers, and the original Ghost Rider. And I believe they were based out of L.A. So yeah, it's a weird little series. But that's the next time, and I think that's also probably the only other time the mutates show up. But if you like the mutates, go look for Champions 1 through 3. This issue, like issue 163 and the next two we'll be covering, can be found reprinted in Essential Thor Volume 3, if you don't mind black and white. If you prefer to have it in color, Marvel Masterworks Thor Volume 8. And of course, if you want to find it online, you can find it legally on the Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited website which is how I've been reading it, as usual. I'd like to try doing something new starting with this episode. Uh, Adam Warlock does appear a lot in others' books. Even when he has his own title, he still appears as much, if not more, as a guest star in others' books. So I thought it would kind of be fun each episode to check back with the people he's guest starred in and see where their books are now. So as of right now, the only place he's appeared other than the Thor issues we're covering is the Fantastic Four, back in issues 66 and 67 of their title. So we're going to check in now and see where the FF currently are. Actually, let me clarify just a little bit. When I say now, I don't mean now as in 2014. I mean now as in the same time as whatever issue we're covering for an episode. So since right now we're covering... Thor 163 through 166 from 1969 we're going to cover what is the Fantastic Four we're coming out at that same time so the same month that Thor 163 came out Fantastic Four number 85 also came out Uh, Fantastic Four is still being written and drawn by Stanley and Jack Kirby and this issue is within this tortured land the Fantastic Four are held as guests of Doctor Doom in a small village Doom's plans to ensure his robots drop up to par begin at the cost of lives. Fantastic Four eighty-six was released the same month as Thor 164, The Victims. Dr. Doom manages to render the Fantastic Four without powers and traps the team in a village. As Reed tries to mount a resistance, Dr. Doom prepares to unleash devastation on his own people. Cool. That actually sounds pretty good. Alright, and next episode, we'll see where they are, the same month as Thor... 165 comes out, so that should be FF87. I'd like to remind anyone who's listening who's in the New Jersey area that the Asbury Park Comic Con is coming up on Saturday and Sunday, April 12th and 13th at the Berkeley Oceanfront Hotel in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Let's see. Tickets, you can buy tickets available online at asburyparkcomiccon.com and right now, if you buy them in advance, which is basically... Between now and April 11th, it's 1850 dollars for a Saturday ticket or $17 for a Sunday ticket. Or you can get them on the door for $20.56 each. But tickets are first come, first served. So there's no guarantee there'll be tickets left on the day of the show. Uh, they'll have panels, vendors, exhibits. Uh, they're also having guests including Peter Bagg, Cliff Chang, Cl- Chris Claremont, although only on Saturday, Evan Dorkin, and Senti, Jim Serenko, Box Brown, Bob Bruce, Stephanie Busima, Ming Chen, Steve Ellis, and many more. So go check out the website, asburyparkcomicong.com, and see if you want to go. I'm hopefully going to be there Sunday. So, I'll let you know how it goes. Alright, well, before we uh, close up the episode, I'd like to just let you guys know there are a few different ways you can get in touch with me, or see random crap from me, if you're miss me in the 16 days between the episodes. Um, first of all, you can always send an email to the show. Uh, the email address is resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. So you can always send me an email, and I will read it, just like Keith Mason's on episode 3. So if you enjoy the show and want to let me know, or you don't like something and you want to let me know, I will read it out there, just like Keith Mason's. Or also, if you just like hearing your name said by somebody and you want everyone to hear your name... I will say it over and over again if you send an email, like Keith Mason. So, Keith Mason. There's also a show Tumblr site, which you can be found at resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com I post uh, images from the issues that I'm reviewing over the days in between episodes, and also links to other things, like uh, interviews of Jim Starlin regarding Adam Warlock and Thanos, and also, a link like I'm about to mention now. I apparently felt that this show doesn't take up enough of my free time, so I've started doing a second podcast alongside Brian Zeno from the Podwits podcast called Four Color Fanboys. And Four Color Fanboys will be a monthly show that we're going to be doing about what new comics we're reading, and as well as a few of some of the older comics we're checking out, comic news, TV shows, movies, and whatever else we can think of. So the first episode's out, and you can find that at Fourcolor.podwitz.com, or if you just go to the Tumblr page for this show uh, go to the post from March 28th and there's a link to it there as well
1: on May 30th 2011 DC Comics announced the historic renumbering of all their superhero titles and the internet broke in half Critics and naysayers abounded. Confusion reigned across fandom. What'll I do? What'll I do? What an unusual view. Not to mention the first reactions to the Supergirl costume.
0: I hated her so much. It, it, the, it, flame, flames, flames on the side of my face, breathing, breathless, heaving breaths, heaving.
1: But then the books actually hit. And opinions...
0: He likes it! He likes it!
1: Opinions began to change. The New 52 Adventures of Superman is a monthly podcast where John Wilson, J. David Weeder, and
0: Michael Kaiser
1: take a look at each of the adventures of Superman and his family of characters in Action Comics. You know the deal, Metropolis. Treat people right, or expect a visit from me.
0: The Superman who appeared six months ago could huddle skyscrapers and toss trucks around. Now it's faster, now it's stronger. How soon before it can't be stopped?
1: Superboy. If resolving a situation for him is going to get me out from under these people once and for all, that's a small price to pay for freedom. Release the Superboy. Supergirl. Okay. Giant metal creatures. Falling from the sky. Speaking in clicks and beeps. Father would love this dream. And Superman. You could do so much good. We could do so much good. I am doing good, Lois. Clark's such a loner. Never really lets anyone get close to him. The New 52 Adventures of Superman. Available the first of every month on iTunes and at new52superman.libson.com.
0: Well, that's it for episode 4 of the show. Uh, I'd like to thank all of you for downloading and listening. And I'd also like to give thanks to a few sites and places that I was able to get my information from. So I'd like to give them credit and blame for everything in here. Because if it's wrong, it's their fault. I'm just the idiot who copied it. So first off, I'd like to thank Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Which you can find at dcindexes.com book DB, that stands for comic Book Database at comicbookdb.com, the complete Marvel reading order at cmro.travis, T R A V I S, hyphen the appendix to the Handbook for the Marvel Universe at marvunapp.com, slash appendix, uh, the Mighty Thor Library at mightythorlibrary.com. So thanks to all those sites for the information I was able to use for this episode. And thank you again for all of you for listening. I'll be back on April 16th with episode five covering Thor 165. Resurrections and Adam Warlock Podcast is a fan-made production. And I have no copyright or holding, and I make no claims whatsoever over the characters mentioned in this episode. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free intro music.com and DJ Puzzle at Productions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. I'd like to remind anyone who's listening who's in the New Jersey area that the Asbury Park Comic Con is coming up on April 12th and 13th at the Berkeley Oceanfront Hotel in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Uh, It's going to be both days, Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 16... 10 a.m. to... uh, Hello, and welcome to back to Resurrect... Yeah... Jeez. I can't even freaking say hello. The hell? Before we get to this issue, actually, let's just do a quick recap of the issue we did in Episode 3, which is Thor 163, just in case anyone either has forgotten, because it's been a little while, or... You just then listen to episode three And the phone rings again.